All Saints Sunday can be a bittersweet day on the church calendar. We rejoice for the saints who have witnessed to the faith throughout the ages, but invariably our attention is drawn to the saints we know personally, we knew personally, sisters and brothers in the faith, faith, uh, friends, parents, spouses, connected with us in very personal ways. For pastors, the way we experience it is unique because of our perspective. We look over the congregation and we notice the faces that are missing. The faithful who filled seats week after week and joined in the work of the church in a multitude of ways. Protestant theology reminds us that sainthood is not just a status that's obtained by the faithful departed. Sainthood is an office to which we are all called in this life. The communion of the saints extends from this gathering and this table throughout the world and into that vast gathering of saints Believers in all time and space. Those who now form that great cloud of witnesses cheer us earthbound saints as we answer the high calling of following Jesus. So, on this All Saints Sunday, I bid you welcome, saints. Paul writes to the Ephesians. He tells them he has heard of their faith. Their faith has been shown in how they loved one another, loved others who were faithfully following Jesus, and this brought Paul great joy. In the first chapter of Ephesians, he launches into a powerful prayer for them. He prayed that the power of God that was shown in Christ's life, death, and resurrection would be displayed in their lives. If Paul was writing to us, would he say the same thing? Would those saints who are part of that great cloud of witnesses take joy in the way we've lived our faith? Have others heard of our faith? Does our love for one another, for the saints in the world, and for those who might still be finding their way to saintly paths provide a strong witness? Often we are tempted to take a personal approach to our faith, but this kind of question doesn't allow us to do that. Loving one another is never just personal. If I'm showing love to another, I've entered the realm of the communal faith. And given I'm commanded to love fellow sisters and brothers as Christ loved, it is not only a human interaction, but God is involved. I can only hope to love others like Christ's love if the Holy Spirit is working in my heart and in the relationships that I have with others. To use the words of Jill Duffield, this faith is public, obvious, and communal. I didn't make use of the gospel reading for today, but we, Zacchaeus, just as he did for Jesus, has a way of getting noticed and ensuring he shows up. 
Many know the story, having learned it via word and song in younger years. I will avoid singing the song for you, for which we can all be thankful. But if you didn't have the privilege of hearing it growing up, or it's been a while since you heard it, I'll briefly outline the story. Jesus is on his way through a community. A crowd gathers. Jesus notices a man up in a tree. The man was Zacchaeus, a height-challenged person who was a tall man when it came to power and wealth. He was a tax collector, and he had accumulated a significant part of his wealth through corrupt use of that power. He climbed that tree just so he could lay his eyes on Jesus that day. Jesus took note, invited Zacchaeus down by name, and then invited himself to Zacchaeus' home for a meal. The good folks of the community were shocked, horrified. They complained of Jesus spending time with this sinful man. But Zacchaeus repented and committed to give away his ill-gotten gain and more as an atonement for his sin. He exercised his faith in a way that Jill Duffield points out is public, obvious, and communal. That phrase, Zacchaeus' behavior, gives us a good measure of whether the saints in this world and the next would say that they have heard of our faith and give thanks. Is our faith public, obvious, and communal? Public faith is practiced in word and in deed. This isn't just being a nice person. That's too low a standard. Zacchaeus publicly repented of his past sinful behavior and gave back to those wronged multiple times over in repayment for his wrongdoing. Does our faith have this kind of public and sacrificial nature? When God has convicted us of our sins, do we do all we can to make right the harm we have caused? What is obvious faith? Don't confuse the word obvious with the word simple. Life can be very, very complicated. We will often find ourselves faced with choices and challenges where discerning the right path is difficult. But do people look at our choices and see how what we believed connected with the choices that we made? Zacchaeus, again, provides us a good example. He had wronged people. He knew he had to do all he could to make up for it. One choice for him was to follow the guidelines of the law that stipulated repayment, not just of a sum stolen, but more than that. The law stipulated a one-fifth addition to that kind of settlement. Zacchaeus' commitment far outstrips that by his promise to repay fourfold. His decision was an obvious result of his faith. Was it simple, though? Oh, absolutely not. 
Wealth in that time did not exist in a convenient bank account from which a person could simply write checks. It existed as real estate, as investment in expensive items which maintain value like gold, as future payments coming from debtors. Zacchaeus's commitment to give away half and to make fourfold restitution was a lifelong commitment to a radical restructuring of his life. He was committed to a complete change in the way he managed his resources. He was changing from being a person who accumulated to being a person focused on restitution and sacrifice, no matter the impact to his comfort and his security. And in so doing, he was promising his faith would be communal. He was going to show his love to others in a very concrete and specific way. He would have to search for those whom he'd wronged. And in cases where the wrong had died, the wronged person had died, he would have to decide if compensation of children or other relatives would be appropriate. His communal work of returning what he had stolen would bring him face to face again and again with the sins he had committed. Jill Duffield warned sacrificial living can make other folks uncomfortable and angry. Part of the reason for that, she suggests, is that sometimes our sacrificial living may make other people feel guilty. In Zacchaeus' case, his sacrificial communal living was probably met with strong resistance from some of the very people he hoped to help. He was a distrusted and despised man. The first time he followed through on giving back, I'm almost certain he encountered anger and suspicion. Was this just some scheme, people wondered? You know, and when he gave them the money, that didn't make up for their past suffering. And that couldn't have made up if some had even died in poverty because of his taking away their money. Originally, I also intended to leave aside the issue of stewardship today, but Zacchaeus' intrusion makes that pretty difficult. He practiced an outlandish stewardship with his privilege. I don't think anyone listening to this sermon today has accumulated wealth by stealing it, but if so, Zacchaeus offers you an example. But his example is also very powerful for all the rest of us. His giving up his wealth was about him giving up the privilege that he had in society. And many of us enjoy privileges that others do not have. And many of those privileges go beyond just our own hard work and the sweat of our brow. For some, it's the privilege of a stable family upbringing. For some, it's the privilege of wealth because of doors that others insured were open to us. For some, it's the privilege of talents that we've had the opportunity to develop thanks to quality education and great teachers. For some, it's the privilege of time thanks to good jobs or a comfortable retirement. Like Zacchaeus, we can consider the wealth of treasure and privilege we have and make a commitment, make a commitment to sharing it with others. And we don't need to look just at Zacchaeus to find examples of this. There are saints among us who are living this way, 
giving freely from the blessings and privileges that they have received, sacrificing their time, their talent, their treasure for the sake of others. And I suspect any one of them would tell you that this kind of living turns out not to be a weary burden, but a joyful sharing of the work of the kingdom. This table is a wonderful place to gather on All Saints Sunday. We are here with saints from all time and place. For those in the great cloud that have given us this wonderful model of faith, we can offer thanks. They've given us a model that is public and obvious and communal. And at this table, Christ feeds us with heavenly manna to empower us to live in this way. We can go forth ready from this place to live in ways that ensures that others will hear of our faith, be blessed by it, and know of our love. Amen.